What do aliens think of coffee? Do zombies prefer the brains of smart people? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello and welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast wherein myself, Kit Greer Mulvena, and my co-host, Rory Pars, every week we investigate a different paranormal tale and get to the bottom of whether it's truly paranormal or not. How are you doing today, Rory? I'm doing great. Those were some very good intro questions. Uh, I think my input would be that uh, a zombie would like the brains of a dumb person because a brain is, at the end of the day, a muscle, right? Mm -hmm. Is it? Is that right? (laughs) I'm I'm nodding, knowing nothing. Uh, so you want someone who, the same way like a cannibal doesn't want to eat someone who's who's really jacked and muscly, you wouldn't okay. want to eat someone's brains who have been put to work a lot because it's probably quite tough, probably quite hard to eat. You want a nice little squishy brain, a dum-dum's brain. I hear what you're saying. You you want the beef from the Wagyu cow that's been fed <laughs> beer and listening to Mozart and getting massages for the last five years, not a cow that's been doing crossfit yeah exactly a jacked cow uh that tracks that makes a lot of sense hopefully not something we ever have to find out firsthand rory let's dive into today's investigation today's episode is a little bit different this is a topic we have touched on in the past uh by way of another investigation uh but we had just so many requests from various listeners emailing in who wanted to know the full story that I simply had to cover it. Wow, this is exciting. Because in recent years, as more evidence and more publicity has been put on this case, it's been shown to be one of the most intriguing and storied paranormal cases of our time. Mm. Our story begins at 5 p.m., Monday 15th of May, 1989. Oh my God, so specific. Sometimes I just say a long time ago, but this is really, this is good. I like this. This is five seconds past midnight at the Taco Bell on Rodeo Drive. (laughs) This is very different from my cases where I sometimes say that time is irrelevant or classified and then refuse to mention when or where the the case takes place. Sometimes we just get the dates wrong. Oh yeah, there's that too. Yeah, Those, those are hard to follow. The staff of Las Vegas News Channel, KLAS-TV, were all on edge. They were about to break a big story, live on TV, and the stakes were high. They had a man on the line with secret information from within a secret government facility. Investigative reporter George Knapp was on standby, ready to conduct what was sure to be a career-defining interview to be broadcast to millions. Okay, commercial's almost done. We're back in five, four, three... Two, go. KLAS TV news jingle doesn't have to be exactly theirs, but just a kind of like dun 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 kind of thing. <laughs> Ideally, was that a message to our editor to put that in? Yep. All oh, right. Okay, that wasn't just you saying that. I could do it right now if you want. KLAS Las Vegas News. I said it wasn't a radio station. That's for television, asshole. They can sound the same. I can go again if you want. What was I, the name I of the- don't want, but I feel like you are <laughs> so insistent. Please try. What, what was the name of the station? KLS? KLAS TV. KALAS. R- what? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> KAL, I've been drinking. KLAS TV. <laughs> Turn up your volume, because this audio is coming straight into your living room. 
This isn't like a reggaeton DJ <laughs> DJing a fucking birthday party. This is uh, a serious news channel, Roy. I don't want you undermining the nature of this breaking news. Okay, I, I do apologize. Uh, hopefully whatever plug we put in will be better than mine. This is KLAS-TV, Channel 8 News with George Knapp. Good evening, Las Vegas. Tonight, we bring you a special report. Our guest, who will remain anonymous, has insider information about the mysterious facility we all know as Area 51. Whoa. That's right, a whistleblower was about to bust this whole thing open. The interviewee, going by the pseudonym Dennis, was questioned from the safety of the news van. Weird pseudonym, but fine. First name, Dennis. Last name, Damenis. <laughs> He's about to be a menace to national security once he unveils some of this information. He had his face silhouetted black against the bright light from a window behind him. Classic anonymous TV. Uh, I always find those uh, shots funny when they're interviewing an anonymous source and they like black out their face or cast them in a dark shadow. It's like, don't film them. Just don't do it then. So I just don't show that. Just play the audio. Like, it's fine. Yeah, just do put a picture of a question mark up there. We don't need to almost see them or see their head movements. Like, if I was them and wanted to remain anonymous, I'd be pretty pissed that everyone knew I was wearing, uh, like, a polo shirt. I'd be like, don't, don't fucking show my shirt. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you just know you're going to freak. Something's going to slip through the cra cracks. Your diploma's going to be on the wall behind you. Your freaking mom is gonna knock on the door at one point and be like, Rory, chicken nuggets are ready. And you're like, Mom, shut the f up. I'm trying to talk about Area 51. Rory, the Domino's pizza delivery said they needed your address. Fine. It's, uh, it's 75 <laughs> Mulholland Drive. You guys can bleep that out. It's actually live, Rory. Oh! I have in my possession, Rory, a clip from this very broadcast. Will we take a listen? Let's do it. Sir, how do we know you are, who you say you are, and that you actually have knowledge about what's going on at Groom Lake? Well, I guess there's no way you could really know. Uh, uh, there's really no way I could prove it without revealing my identity and getting myself into more trouble than I have already. Exactly what's going on up there? Well, there's several, uh, actually nine uh, flying saucers, flying discs, uh, that are out there of extraterrestrial origin and they're being test flown and uh, uh, basically just analyzed. You say there's nine saucers. How, how are those tests going? Uh, as far as what? As far as whether they're successful and, and, and that sort of thing. Oh, well, some of them are 100% intact and operate perfectly. Uh, the other ones are being taken apart. Uh, I was involved mainly in, in propulsion and the power source. How did they come into the hands of the government? I haven't the slightest idea, and uh, you have to understand the information is very compartmentalized, and uh, I was only allowed information that pertained particularly to what I was involved in. But I mean, couldn't, couldn't our government have made them as opposed to getting them from some alien beings? Totally impossible. Uh, the propulsion system is an, uh, a gravity propulsion system. The power source is an antimatter reactor. Uh, this technology does not exist at all. In fact, one of the reasons that I'm going forward with this information, it's uh, not only a crime against the American people, it's a crime against the scientific community, which I've been part of for some time, or actively trying to duplicate these systems, yet they are in existence now and basically in the hands of the government. What would happen to you if the government learned that you were giving us this information? 
anything could happen. I don't know. It's, uh, I haven't the slightest idea. Well, you said uh, you referred to getting into trouble. Have you had some repercussions already? Yeah, I've been threatened with uh, uh, being charged with espionage. Uh, I've had my life threatened by them, my wife's life threatened by them, and uh, uh, I, I mean, I don't know where else you can go from there. Well, we want to thank you for joining us. It's pretty interesting stuff you've got to say. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you, sir. That's a pretty bombshell interview to drop on the primetime news. Wow, that is a lot, isn't it? It's a, it's a scary thing to be threatened by the people who are also in possession of alien spacecrafts. You don't just have to worry about the sniper's red dot coming through your living room window one evening, uh, but God knows some kind of antimatter ray. Yeah. You know when those crafts were recovered, there was some sort of alien Glock in the glove compartment. Some kind of alien baseball bat in the boot <laughs> in case they got into some alien road rage incidents. These were serious and explosive allegations. He told the entire viewership of KLAS-TV that the US military was not only in possession of alien technology, but they were studying it in the hopes of reverse engineering it. This is kind of a lot already. We're not really that far into this podcast and already the bomb has been dropped. I thought there was going to be, you know, some gradual escalation up to this point. But no, the fucking gloves are off. There's anti-gravity engines being hidden from the scientific community. This is insane. You know, Roy, maybe I'm just doing a Tarantino here and uh, showing you the ending before we go back to the beginning. But I ain't. Flash forward 50 years. <laughs> Flash forward 3,000 years. Dennis is erected from a cryo chamber. He's now the alien overlord of planet Zonktar. The only, the only part of that interview that kind of I thought was a little bit weird was when he was like, hey, look, they have all these crafts. They're flying these ships. Uh, the, this technology is real. And the guy is like, all right, well, couldn't this be technology from Earth? And without a beat... Dennis is like, totally impossible. Totally impossible, you moron. <laughs> which, which is the only part I don't understand because it's like, okay, I understand that that technology hasn't existed before mm -hmm. on Earth, but if it does now exist on Earth, then there is a plausible reason that it could have been made by scientists on Earth. You know? Absolutely. You can't rule these things out. Uh, it's not it, a spell. It's not a fucking wizard spell that makes this thing fly. Then you could be like, we didn't make this. We didn't make this because I drank, I drank swamp water from a toad's mouth and the broom started levitating. But if you're like, it's science that makes this thing fly in the night sky, then I think you can say, sure, there's maybe a 2% chance that a scientist made this. It's true. It's a bit like the uh, origins of life itself when they talk about maybe life came from other planets because uh, it's too crazy that it all happened here on Earth. Yeah. It's like, well, that doesn't really explain anything because you still have the problem of the life starting on the other planet. <laughs> right, yeah. You're just kind of migrating the issues <laughs> to the corners of the universe. I like that you pointed out that they didn't even uh, change his voice. They just I black know. blacked out his face. That's that's he's playing a dangerous game here. Maybe Dennis wants to be caught, especially when he has such a recognizable voice. <laughs> he's also very very specific about his job, where he works, and uh, a lot of other details about his life. So I don't think they're gonna have a problem hunting this guy down. <laughs> he said in the interview, it's like, oh, they're already threatening me. They got they know who I am. 
So it was a bit weird that he was didn't give away his identity. If anything, that would have probably protected him a little bit. Because he could be like, hey, look at this face. I'm telling you secrets right now. So if I'm dead in a week, you understand why. That's very true. As you say, the people he's talking about here are the people who found Saddam Hussein, who was hiding in a hole in the Middle East somewhere. Uh, this guy isn't even hiding. He's going on national television. So... Uh, shouldn't be too difficult to track him down. <laughs> He's going on a goddamn Las Vegas top of the charts radio station to leak it's secrets. It's not a radio station. It's a TV show. You've just you, you just don't know what the news is. <laughs> I've never watched the news in my life. It's like fucking top of the pops if instead of pop bangers they were listing current events. Over time the mysterious Dennis made a number of further claims. He told the press that at some point in the 1970s, extraterrestrials made contact with Earth. There was an exchange in which the US military walked away with a butt-ton of alien spacecraft. That particular information was so closely guarded that even Dennis didn't know the terms of the encounter or precisely when it happened. Whether alien life reached out or if mankind took them by force, also remains unknown. Right, right. I thought it was maybe like he didn't know the terms of the deal, as in, like, was it keepsies? Was it for keepsies, or was it just for, like, a weekend? I don't think that's, like, a government or legal or military term for keepsies. Like, you know when you, like, trade Pokemon cards, and you're like, that's for keepsies. Right. No trade backs. You know, those kind of, like, conditions. Pinky promise, do those kind of swears. A spit handshake, was it that? I don't think aliens would uh, understand Pokemon cards or a spit handshake. I don't think even humans understand a spit handshake. Yeah, you might, you're playing a dangerous game if you want to do a spit handshake with an alien. That could be acid. That could be fatal. According to the blood. popular uh, movie series Alien, I think the spit is acid. Okay. I have to say this twist of Dennis admitting how little he knows about these given situations is almost a unique aspect of a ufo story covered on this paranormal life um does that make it more believable to you that he's like look they keep you in the f***ing dark about these things i'm telling you the bit that i know yes and no like i think we've covered enough of these stories to understand that there are secrets within secrets with uh when it comes to you know the legends surrounding these types of organizations uh, but I don't know. It's all I'm going to say is it's pretty easy to be the guy making claims when you're not showing your face. That's what this whole podcast is about, for Christ's sake. Ah. <laughs> There's a reason we're a top of the charts radio station, guys, and not on the news. If I had to show my face, every episode of this podcast would be a double no. Dennis asserted that at least one of the ships in the hands of the government was from an archaeological dig, meaning this thing isn't just old, but properly ancient. Alright, that's a nonsense sentence you just said. What the f*** does that mean? One of the nine what? ships they have isn't is old? ancient. <laughs> right, right, but then what's old? What does old mean? <laughs> These aren't times. Well, not 50 years old, not 100 years old. Try a thousand, bud. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. They're just very ambiguous terms. I guess what he's pointing out is that... And a few of them weren't just ancient. They were prehistoric. Try, 
They were dusty, what? borderline dusty. One of these ships had a Tyrannosaurus Rex's <laughs> chomp marks in the end of it. I think what he's pointing out is that he's telling the news this story in 1989, but the first contact that they made with the US government and aliens was in the 70s. Got it. But the contact with Earth from these aliens goes back even further, arguably, to ancient times. Ancient aliens. Got it. Maybe we're right. Maybe they didn't blur his voice enough because before long, the press and the rest of the world would soon know that Dennis's real name was actually Bob Lazar. Ooh, they got him. Rory, Bob is a guy, like I say, we have talked about previously. Yeah, he's come up on a few podcasts before. I don't remember which one specifically. Maybe you can remind us. I believe we last talked about him uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, during our episode um, about storming Area 51. Yes. Now, he's a similar character to Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who has appeared in many and many of our cases in the past. Uh, Bob is a little bit different, though, because I believe I haven't mentioned him once, and you have mentioned him several times. So, so I was quite excited today when I turned up to the studio and you tell me we're doing a two-parter on uh on bobby if this is something you have to get out of your system i'm absolutely here for it i'm here for the ride i cannot wait to hear about this dude's insane life look dude we need a double yes and if we have to do an eight-part series on the on the son of a bitch we're gonna do it uh bob lazar highly requested subjects for this paranormal life episode from our listeners an interesting one in the sense that when we started this podcast he wasn't really on our radar and then i believe it was around yeah somewhere around 2018 2019 the netflix documentary dropped a few high profile podcasts and interviews dropped and interest in the story of bob lazar went through the roof and i thought it was high time that we laid out that story in its entirety so that the audience can come to their own decisions about whether they think it's true i'm very excited you know i don't know a lot about the guy so i'm um very hyped today to hear about why we should care about bob lazar to understand how bob aka dennis came to have all this information we need to go back in time to his origin story a time when he zigged when he maybe should have zagged and his life was changed forever all right what are we talking here we talking baby boy are we talking little man fresh out the womb born in a test tube okay on planet zonktar (laughs) no we're gonna skip the first bit of his life that's fair Bob was a physicist with experience working on high-powered vehicles. He first put himself on the map in 1982 when he strapped a jet engine to his Honda, allowing it to reach speeds of 200 miles per hour. Very impressive. This is actually a clipping from a local newspaper where you can see uh, his Honda. What the hell? Uh, This is... The headline for this article says, L.A. man joins the jet set at 200 miles an hour. And it's a picture of him posing with his car, and it seems like there's some sort of rocket attached to the back of it. <laughs> it is a, uh, it's a small car too, by the way, and not a car that should have a rocket attached to it. This story made local headlines, which you might expect. But what happened next was nothing short of miraculous. Just days later, Bob was on his way to hear a lecture from world-famous physicist Edward Teller, also known as the father of the hydrogen bomb. 
To be fair, at this stage, Bob is pretty much a prime candidate for someone the government should be keeping an eye on. A guy who straps a <laughs> rocket to his car and then is going to talks from the guy who made the hydrogen bomb. Yeah, if you're pulling up to that seminar in your rocket car, you're on a government list. I'm just you're saying, a super villain. He wouldn't have got away with this in the post 9-11 age, that's for sure. Absolutely not, yeah. There were different lo- different traffic laws. Although I am consistently blown away every time I go to America to see the vehicles driving around. Because here in the UK, um, there are incredibly strict tests that your vehicle has to pass for it to be eligible to be driven on the road. Uh, in the UK, it's called the MOT. Your car takes it, what, annually, I believe? It's hilarious having to explain this concept to American listeners. I have I've driven in LA and I have seen... It's like something out of fucking Mad Max. Cars with no doors. (laughs) Cars with no wheels. Dudes swigging and pouring gasoline into their exhaust from their mouths to fire up their engines. It's it's insane. Um, So I don't think you'd be able to drive around a rocket car here in the UK. But maybe in the olden days of of uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, why not? It's absolutely bullshit, man. Authorities telling me I can't strap a rocket to my car. Nanny state gone mad. Crazy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot. And whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. He was already excited when he arrived at the venue. When, looking around, he spotted Dr. Teller sitting on a wall outside, reading a newspaper. He couldn't believe it. Dr. Teller was reading a local paper with the story about Bob and his Honda on the front. Whoa! He took a deep breath and approached Dr. Teller. Uh, hey, I'm the guy you're reading about there. The pair had a quick chat, the kind of small talk that only rocket scientists can make. It was only a few minutes, but it remained in Bob's mind forever. 
I'm imagining that the kind of small talk that only rocket scientists can make is about how they're both absolute virgins. <laughs> oh, hey, Dr. Teller, have you ever touched a boob before? <laughs> no, son, can you tell me anything about it? <laughs> All right, that's incredibly offensive. Do you know how much ass a guy with a rocket car would get? If you're rocking up to the drag racing, you know, all these people have their souped up cars and you show up with a, a rocket Honda, the ladies are going to be pretty interested. I would like to see Bob, who is pretty much exactly what you think this kind of scientist looks like. I'd like to see him in a kind of Fast and the Furious style uh, drag racing meetup. <laughs> yeah. Racing Vin Diesel. You know, he'd have some sick burns as well, like oh, science burns. So everyone would just be calling him like a little weasel and a little geek. And he'd be like, oh, well, hey, Trevor, is your uh, is your penis dark matter? Because we think it exists, but no one can see it. <laughs> and then he's like, so long, pussies. And then blasts off in his rocket car, frying 300 jobs behind yeah, him. Incinerating yeah. all the cars behind him. So after their meeting, a few years down the line, would Bob find himself without a job? He contacted Edward Teller to see if he had any employment leads. Bob wasn't exactly expecting a response. After all, he didn't really know the guy. But not long afterwards, like f***ing Harry Potter receiving a special letter from Hogwarts, a letter arrived detailing an advanced propulsion job working for the US government in a, quote, remote area. Ooh, very cool. <laughs> the letter was delivered by a rocket owl. Which is exactly what you think it is. You're a scientist, Bob. <laughs> he was intrigued and running seriously low on cash, so he jumped at his chance. He was subjected to several rounds of grueling interviews. So, you must be Mr. Lazar. I'm the chief interviewer around here. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Very nice to meet you too, officer. Did I say you could f***ing talk back, son? Well, no, but I, of course, no, sorry, sir. I'm just breaking your balls, son. You've done very well to make it to stage five of this grueling, grueling military interview scheme. Thank you very much. I'm excited for stage five and six and beyond. Did I say there was going to be another stage beyond this? Do you think you're getting through this today? <laughs> I'm sorry, officer. I, I mean, commander, what is your job? Officer? <laughs> I am a lieutenant, son. Sorry, Lieutenant. Um, no, you did not imply that there'd be any stages past uh, stage number five. Sorry, I'm breaking your balls. I am also technically an officer, given that I'm the head, head interview officer here. Sorry, I'm, I get a little cranky first thing in the morning. I don't mean to be so... Anyway, the... the inter it's 4 p.m., sir. Enough chit-chat. <laughs> the interview starts now. <laughs> sir! <laughs> This is stage one, sir? That's right. Stages one <laughs> through five were simply a test to see if you could handle the sheer raw power of stage one. I'm ready, officer, lieutenant. Tell me, son. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> yes. That was worse. You I apologize. Throat. <laughs> those, those are some <laughs> strange noises you're making, son. Do you need a glass of water? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> Give me a second. Splash oh! in your face. You, you drink when we tell you to drink. Uh, anyway, back to the interview. Let me give you a scenario, son. You're in charge of an F-14 fighter jet, and you have tangos coming in from west, south, east, and, and f*** it, north. It's the only one left. You've got exactly 3% fuel left. What evasive maneuvers are you performing? 3% uh, fuel in what, 2%. sir? 
One <laughs> percent fuel of in what, sir? In, in, in what side of kind of machinery is the fuel available? You are out of fuel. You are officially <laughs> out of fuel. The first question has been has been. Can someone note that down? It's been a failure. Uh, okay, thanks, Mr. Lazar, for that answer. Um, uh, wh- what kind of relationship do you have with your mother? Well, s- sir, she's a complicated woman. Um, like that of uh, like that of any sort of sort of woman. To be frank, someone uh, write this down. He fancies his mom. Uh, continue, no, 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 please. Str- str- I, I insist you strike that from you, the record. You said she was hot or complicated or something. No, I, well, I, the second, sure, I did say she was. A, I said she was a complicated lady, um, inspirational. I should have said inspirational, um, uh, a driving force in the home life, uh, and an inspiration to me in, in my work. You want to be a, a, a freaking housewife, and, and you're sitting. Well, no, her dedication to her craft and. Um, she wasn't a housewife, sir. She actually uh, ran a law firm, and she was a very successful woman. Is that so? Is that so? Can someone write all this down? He seems to be... He's t- been talking for about five goddamn minutes about his mom. You can't hear me uh, doing those asides, can you, son? Well, you're standing several feet as- away from me, sir. So. Don't listen to our <laughs> top-secret internal conversations. Christ alive. Interviewee is a little eavesdropping bitch, sir. I have but one more scenario to throw at you. You are on the battlefields of planet Geshmergen. Your entire unit has been shot down. You are a POW with an alien rifle pressed to the back of your goddamn skull. They take one look at you and they say, give us... So they speak English. Give us... Not exactly true. You have an alien translating device in your ear at this point. I'm not getting into the details. I wasn't aware some of this technology existed, sir. It doesn't. It doesn't. They ask for the location of the president of the United States. Do you give it to them? I wasn't aware that these were um, considerations I'd have to take into this job. But 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 um, sorry, the the, the uh, name of this planet. Wait, hold up. What job are you interviewing for? Propulsion engineer for rockets. Oh my god. Oh wow. I am really sorry. Uh, so, let me just check my notes. Oh, fucking hell. You already passed the interview about three stages ago. Come on in, son. Well, what was... Wait, ha- well, hang on a minute now. What was this Can someone for? urinize this little fucker? Well, what was... Wipe his memories. <laughs> sorry, did you say Take planet- his clothes and burn them and planet- wipe his fucking memories. Gushmorgan? Despite these impossible hoops to jump through, he was officially invited to join the team. He received a brief that his next step was to board a Janet flight. Janet is the secretive airline that services Area 51. Wow. Now that's a real... Th- not that none of this other stuff is real. That is a real thing, right? There are like pilots and who have flown for Janet. I didn't, like I didn't actually know this. Is this something you've come across? I think I had come across it before where they're like, you know, even the people who work on the crafts or the airplanes, you know, have to be like debriefed. They're like, you cannot even talk about the people you see coming on and off these flights. It's it's a top secret kind of thing, which is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That is nuts, isn't it? What are the in-flight movies on playing Janet? Is it just alien autopsies you can choose from? <laughs> yeah, it's really on the nose. Independence Day, <laughs> Arrival. Alien. Just alien. Upon arrival, he was asked to fill in form after form full of personal questions, inquiring about bizarre details. Hello, Mr. Lazar. I have just a couple of questions for your medical profile. Um, sorry. This is a this is an American hmm? uh, officer working at Area Fifty One. He was uh, brought over during uh, 
Operation Paperclip? That's right. Okay, okay, proceed. What is your weight, Mr. Lazar? I am uh, 150 pounds. How many units of alcohol would you say you drink a week? Golly, uh, I would, uh, including Listerine. Uh, not including Listerine. Right. Well, there is alcoholic content in there, which can be soaked in through the bloodstream. Okay, you smart little piece of shit. How many units of f***ing beer? Well, I don't drink. Do you smoke? Nope. Do you wipe sitting down or standing up? Okay, that I don't. I fail to see the relevance of that question, but for the record, sitting down. What do you call your mother? Mom? Mommy? <laughs> Mama? <laughs> All right, well... I don't know anyone that calls their mother mama, but um, but again, just, just I don't answer see. The question. Of course, this is very standard uh, question. Mother, mother. Uh, whenever you go to Chipotle, what spice level of salsa <laughs> do you order? Mild. Uh, how much can you bench, Mister Lazar? I've never attempted a bench press in my life. What age did you first jack off? <laughs> okay, I don't understand. The relevancy of the question. Tase the man. Tase him. <laughs> After three hours of laborious paperwork, Bob was granted a security clearance. Bob's like, did they have to print the fucking year I learned to jack off on the <laughs> on the name tag? How is that relevant? That's, it- that's what all it, all the numbers on the passes mean. <laughs> I'm Colonel Michael, thirteen. <laughs> Colonel Jameson, twelve. It was at this point a high-ranking uniformed officer came into the room. This is Lieutenant Jenkins. Six. (laughs) I have to warn you, Mr. Lazar. This is not a normal job. Now, I'd like you to follow me. He led Bob outside to a bus. You won't be working at this facility. Climb aboard and you'll be taken to S4. S4? What the hell is S4? Oh! No questions. But if you must know, it's another base. Why did you hit me then? No questions. But if you must know, you just have the kind of face you want to slap. It turned out Bob wasn't going to be working at Area 51 at all, but another facility a few miles away that was somehow even more secret than Area 51. Well, that's it, because we all know about Area 51. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, it's not How very secret, secret at all. How secret could it be? Yeah. S4 was built into the side of a mountain, like the Thunderbirds. <laughs> it was made up of enormous concrete buildings and vast aircraft hangars. Like the Thunderbirds. As the bus arrived on site, Bob glanced into one of the cavernous warehouses and did a double take. There, as clear as day, was a flying saucer. He was even more surprised when the bus stopped and he was beckoned towards the saucer. Whoa. Talk about diving in the deep end. This is why they gotta be so, uh, meticulous in their job interviews. Right. Because this is, you've opened the Pandora's box at this point. There's no going back. Sure. Once you get to that stage, you gotta get cool about a lot of stuff real fast. A wave of relief washed over him when he saw the craft had an American flag on the side. He thought to himself, Oh my god. This finally explains all of the flying saucer stories. This is just an advanced fighter. This is f***ing hilarious. He approached it with his hand outstretched. Don't touch that! Keep your eyes forward and your arms at your side and just walk in the door. He was reprimanded before he could get too close. Perplexed, Bob leapt back and was ushered into his new office for the first time. What is this little f***ing Willy Wonka test that he had to go through where they, they walk him through this little yard of temptations and if he can make it through without stealing a UFO or an or a little alien artifact, then he gets to actually work there. 
Like, don't, don't drop him off. Don't make the doors of the bus open onto an alien craft parked right in front of him and then get upset when he goes over to it. Yeah, the bus driver's like, don't leave the hangar doors open. It's supposed to be top secret, guys. F***ing hell. Like, sorry, chief. There was a bad smell. We wanted to air the place out. Yeah, that, that's a hilarious, a hilarious moment. If you, you got off the craft and uh, you're like, you walk in the front door and you're like, there's like aliens standing in front of you conversing with each other conversing with each other like <laughs> and you're like wow they're just so open about all this stuff here and the colonel comes in is like what G get those fuckers out of here you didn't see anything you didn't see anything bob <laughs> <laughs> the aliens like stub out a cigarette on the ground run away inside there were unusual objects littered around the room components of engines the like of which he'd never seen before at this point bob was getting really weirded out he was an advanced physicist. How did the military have technology of this nature and why had they kept it under wraps? Not only would he soon have answers to his questions, but his life would be changed forever by what he had seen. Okay, men, we have a new member of the team. Welcome to S4, Lazar. It goes without saying that everything you witness here is of the utmost secrecy, especially what I'm about to show you now. Another soldier wheeled in a cart adorned with a metal hemisphere around the size of a basketball sliced in half. It was fixed to a metal plate. Bob didn't have a clue what he was looking at. The commanding officer went on to demonstrate how the bizarre object worked. Check this shit out. To Bob's utter amazement, it was a tiny reactor. When it was switched on, it was able to produce a gravitational field of its own. This went against everything he knew. What does that mean? Like, things started floating around it? Or objects that were put into its circulation were stuck to the, the orb? Weirdly, it seems to be the opposite. The others encouraged him to try and touch the sphere. Bob went up, reached forward, leaning in with his whole body weight and all his strength. But no matter how hard he tried, his fingers couldn't make contact. He felt they were being pushed away with great force. We can't just make gravity. The only way to produce a gravitational field is with an object of enormous mass. Like a planet. No machine could achieve such a feat. Gentlemen, as you can see, we're in possession of some immense technology here. Your task is to pick it apart and tell us how it works. And ultimately, how we can go about making our own. The reality of what he signed up for finally hit him. There was no other explanation. This was alien technology, and it was up to him to replicate it. The mission was given the codename Project Galileo, and they were only getting started. Wow. And to find out what happened in the rest of the story of Bob Lazar, you will have to tune in for next week's episode of This Paranormal Life. Oh, a two-parter. What a cliffhanger as well. I think you can see why people wanted us to cover this one. Yeah. It's such a rich, detailed, and recent supposed UFO story. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if this is the first half, this guy has a very interesting career. <laughs> if we're only halfway now, and he's already looking at anti-gravity objects that came from another planet. Uh, no wonder he's an interesting guy. He walked out of university and strapped a rocket <laughs> engine to a Honda. What part of that did you not get? <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed uh, this first foray into the, the early half of his story. Um, 
I hope you join us again next week for, for the second half and kind of taking us up to, weirdly, the present day. Thank you to everyone who has suggested this story over email over the last couple of years. Thank you to Amy Grisdale for researching this episode and to Kami Toman for editing it. It feels strange to not jump into um, conclusions and, and our thoughts about the whole thing, but I think we can save that for next week. Yeah, yeah. We need to hear all of the facts and all of the information and all the story before we can come to a conclusion. Of course, if you cannot wait until next Tuesday to get your fix of this paranormal life, you guys know the score. Over on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life, we have uh, approximately 50 full length bonus episodes full-length investigations into the paranormal, which are some of our weirdest, wackiest, and funniest ever. Maybe we'll just put part two up there. Yeah, you know, so I like do, know, I don't know. I we'll don't do like part one and build up this whole thing, build up this whole right. ramp, and it's like, oh, you want, oh, you want to find out what happens? Right. Now you got to pay us, f***er. I don't know, I feel like, well, now you got to toss us some coins. Don't be mean to them. I think people might not take kindly. If we were to paywall well they've been getting a lot of free story. shit for quite a while it seems like and we got we gave them part one right we gave them the sand we gave them the bread they're getting weirdly mercenary about we just this. hold just the meat it, it's fine we've, we've got some really great content over there um check it like part big two. investigations like as, part good two as, the as good as part two yeah. but not including part two don't worry that'll be free when do i get my rocket car huh when does rory get his rocket honda so it's about money That's of course it's about money rockets are expensive i think i haven't looked yet i guess we might as well talk about money it costs five dollars to unlock our patreon sure sure approximately pending your local currency uh, and that unlocks instantly all of those episodes and what is a rocket 20 25 i don't i haven't looked into it yet what, but it's dollars? gotta be yeah uh, more like thousand dollars really shit okay uh, all right. sorry did i say thousand i meant million <laughs> 25 million you can afford to strap a firework to your bicycle and see what happens you can afford to jackass style sellotape a sparkler to your nutsack and see if that gets you in the local paper all right well please join uh the patreon over on patreon.com so i can afford at least a decent firecracker to duct tape to my nutsack that just about wraps it up for today's episode we hope to see you next tuesday for part two thank you for tuning in and remember to, in the meantime, live fast, investigate, investigate and, and die young, baby. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.